Sound ye oldie spoiler klaxon? I don't know why I feel like I'm missing something. Maybe it's my soul because of what we've just watched. 51 episodes so far, buddy. What have we watched, Ben? We just watched Days of Thunder. Hello, I'm Ben Hyten. This is the Cruise Cast. And I'm Alex Blairdy, yep. And, and if you're joining us and thinking, oh, these two bloody pricks again, I'm not sure if I want to listen to Why this. would anybody be thinking that? Because people well, are assholes. You always you put us down, man. You put our fans down. Well, it doesn't matter. I'm just I'm trying to cater to all audiences. But the good news is, Sir Robert of Marland is here to join us today. Wow! wow. Hello, the third prick. There he is. Here. <laughs> the third prick. Yeah. Thanks for having me back. Glad to be here. Good. So before we go any further, because we already know you love Tom Cruise. Uh, because you yes. joined us at the end of the Arnithology season one and told us you were gonna, you basically were gonna do this, and we kind of gazumped you. Indeed, it was it was pretty willing. It was pretty willing. Yeah, yeah, mate. I mean, I I'd, I'd wanted to do it. My friend had said no chance. So I've got a question for so, you, Rob. Yeah. In preparation for joining us on this, did you get your mum to watch this and review it for you? I did not. No. Um, ben clearly knows. Alex, you, you might not know that uh, I've started a new movie review podcast, not with my mate Andy, who I wanted to do sort of equivalent of the cruise cast with, but with my mum. That's amazing. <laughs> That's I do a amazing. podcast with my mum. What a podcast. great idea, Rob. So explain it, explain it. That's fantastic. Well, the, the reason I started this podcast with my mum is because um, now I live in Switzerland. The movies are so expensive here, and I really have to know a film is going to be good mm. before I will, I will pay to go and see it. Right. When I lived in the UK, I would go like two or three times a week. It was so... Right. I lived in Newcastle. It was dirt cheap, right? But my mum goes like three or four times every week because she's got a, an infinity card or something. Yeah, so she, right. pays a mon- she pays okay. a monthly subscription. And then every time she goes, she feels like she's getting money back. Yeah. yeah. So, I, I have exactly yeah. the same thing. And I live in Newcastle. <laughs> yeah. Ex- so there you go. I, but so, so she goes and she tells me about all these films, but she'll go and see anything. She'll go and see The Mummy or she'll go yeah. and see Smurfs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or, or Boss just Baby, whatever's on, or whatever's on, whatever's on. She just turns up, and whatever's on, she'll go and see it. And and, and I don't know uh, if if you find this, if you ever talk to your mums about uh, movies, but so she's got opinions that are so different to any reviewer, and her criteria for what makes a good film is so bizarre that it's she so just great, always Rob. surprises me. Anyway, I can't, yeah. Have you have you uh, started releasing them yet? Episodes? Yeah, yet? we're on to about episode seven or eight now. It's oh, I've got to listen my to mom it. Has, it's called My Mum Has Seen a Movie. Yeah, and um, it's not it's not shit. I'll say that a bit. It's no, not no, I'm shit. sure it isn't. Excellent. I guarantee yeah. it isn't because yeah, okay. it, it can't be. Because if you're a fan of this podcast, mm. it, it it means it has to be amazing. Whatever That's you it. do, gotta have that's good logic. Taste. That's some logic so, for you. Solid. Yeah. And as soon as I heard it, I thought, oh, Rob's going to tap into that my dad wrote a porno group. That What? That that millions oh. of people that listen to it. No, because it's a really catchy title. Oh, is and it? people yeah. are into it. And there's that yeah. shit my dad says on Twitter as well, you know. Oh, right, I didn't like, know that. oh, he's got it. The f- 
where we'll see. I'm a proud. Lot of I'm not. I'm not jealous. Don't be jealous and angry, Ben. Be proud. When you cross the million listenership mark, can you Any just give now. us a little plug, please? Any day now. <laughs> I think that might be a long time. See, now I'm it. searching for my mum made made a movie. My my mum made a porno. So this is just anyone who who thinks you know. They've downloaded the wrong thing. This is the Cruise Cast. This is where we talk about Tom Cruise movies. Yeah, right. And um, this week we watched Days of Thunder. Now, Rob, we gave you pretty much carte blanche to come back anytime, talk about any film you wanted. And the, you, you listed a few things. I think Cocktail was a potential. Top Gun, I think you would have done, but I'd already signed my sisters up for that. Sorry about that. And you went for Days of Thunder. I did. Explain that decision. Well... Days of Thunder has had a special place in my heart for a few uh, years now since um, my friends and I Sweded it. We, we, we remade Days of Thunder. Nice. Well, now, we, if, we, the, if there was ever a criteria for um, reviewing a movie on the Ornithology, it's that. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's exactly. Yeah. That's, that's where yeah. Alex is coming from. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So with the first film that we as a group, me and my friends, Sweden was uh, it was Top Gun, Great. and then as the sort of follow up to that, we thought, well, Days of Thunder, sort of a spiritual sequel to Top Gun. Yeah, possibly. This was our argument. Well, okay, that was about twenty percent of the reason. Eighty percent was the fact that we could reuse a lot of the car footage. <laughs> right. Okay. So quite easy to film. Just guys yeah. in a car. Guys in a car. <laughs> so it's it like those guys who remade Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's got a kind of sentimental nostalgia in your heart yeah when i hear the music or when i see a lot of the car shots you know because i've seen all those car shots over and over and over as i was cutting them into my own crappy film right i sort of i get that feeling of making the film with my friends and and sort of digging through all the plot points of the film and so yeah i i think other than that the incredibly complex and well thought out plot points of this film you better believe it, guys. <laughs> oh, really? We're going to get into it. Is this going to get emotional? We, we, it's going to be a thing. It's, something's going to happen today that's going to be kind of epic around yeah. cars and plots and I mean, I think, stuff. I think even for people who haven't seen this film, they know this was a Top Gun cash-in. It's, it's Don Simpson, cocaine-fueled producer extraordinaire, Jerry Bruckheimer, fan of sunsets. <laughs> <laughs> Tony Scott, <laughs> Tom Cruise, and and the exact same structure basically as Top Gun. And and I I was going to save this, but I'm going to I'm going to use it straight away. I found um, I was looking for the critical response to Days of Thunder when it came out, and I found an excerpt from Roger Ebert's review. Are you ready, big, Rob? Big big ready? fan of Roger Ebert. This Have you read this, hard. Alex? Uh, I'm. I'm aware of it. You're familiar. Okay. Yeah. It's fantastic. I mean, he absolutely yeah. nails it. So Ebert said, Days of Thunder is an entertaining example of what we might as well call the Tom Cruise picture, since it assembles most of the same elements that worked in Top Gun, The Color of Money, and Cocktail, and runs them through the formula once again. Parts of the plot are beginning to wear out their welcome, but the key ingredients are still effective. They include 1. The Cruise character, invariably a young and naive but naturally talented kid who could be the best if ever he could tame his rambunctious spirit. Right. 2. The Mentor. An older man who has done it himself and has been there before and knows talent when he sees it and who has faith in the kid even when the kid screws up because his free spirit has gotten the best of him. <coughs> Hero's journey. <coughs> yeah, exactly, Three. Exactly. 
The superior woman, usually older, taller, and more mature than the Cruz character, who functions as a mentor for his spirit while the male mentor supervises his craft. Yeah, Four, the craft, which the gifted young man must master. Five, the arena, in which the young man is tested. Six, the arcana, arcana? The arcana. Arcana. Consisting of the specialized knowledge and lore that the movie knows all about and we get to learn. The Ark, a journey to visit the principal places where the masters of the craft test one another. Eight, the proto... This is where it totally shines. Eight, the proto-villain, the bad guy in the opening reels of the movie who provides the hero with an opponent to practice on. At first, the crew's character and the proto-any dislike each other, but eventually, through a baptism of fire, they learn to love one another. And then nine, the villain, a real bad guy who turns up in the closing reels to provide the hero with a test of his skill, his learning ability, his love, his craft, and his knowledge of the arena and the arcana. Right. Michael Rooker in this is ice. And Carrie Elwes is the Russians, even though he looks like ice. Okay, wait a sec. Now, I don't know the names of the actors, so let you have to... So, Russ Wheeler, he's the sort of the secondary villain, right? So, who, who, what's his name, the actor's name? Carrie Elwes. That's Carrie Elwes. Yeah. But, but he's supposed to be like the Russians, the bogeys. Exactly. He's want. the real enemy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Michael Rooker is... Um, God, what's his name? Rowdy Burns. Yeah. Rowdy. I mean, just the names in this. Cole Trickle, Rowdy Burns, Harry Hogg, Russ Wheeler. Well, this is why I didn't I didn't bother to learn the actors' names. Who who cares when you've got characters <laughs> called Cole Trickle and, and Rowdy Burns? I mean Absolutely right, I'll give you that one. Yeah. That's great. But but Alex, you, you chipped in there with you said Hero's Journey. I mean, I think right. it's a fair point that Of course. And I think I think what's really interesting about this in light of what we're doing is that at this point it's fair to say that about Tom Cruise he's not although he's like testing himself in his acting ability he's not testing himself in terms of the sorts of stories that he's telling with the exception of probably born on the 4th of July and to an extent Rain Man Mm. and I think this is almost the last point that you can say that about him I think he's about to make a shift after Far and Away into something a bit more interesting. Well, I think, okay, this sounds like these are things that just happen in a major Hollywood blockbuster, telling that standard story of a young guy overcoming the odds. So there is that. You know, I mean, maybe um, Ebert's been a little bit unfair there because you could level that at lots lots of films, you know, or or vehicles, not just for people like Cruz. But then I think also what he's doing there is he's saying, right, Cruz has got this template for all his films, but really, exactly. he's he's only talking about. I, I think he's only really focusing there on Top Gun. I think like risky business. I mean, you, could you really put that template he's described there on that film? Cocktail and Color of Money, you can. Yeah, yeah I suppose they do have the real. Ba- yeah, I guess. I guess like the, the thing that was inter- yeah. interesting for me was not so much you know highlighting the older male mentor in as part of the formula, but the pa- fact that there's this more mature woman, not yeah. necessarily older, but just. Yeah, definitely more mature. Um, who criticizes him for being a kid? And there was a bit when we were talking about which enemy, who's the enemy. I was gonna chip in with, but who isn't he his own enemy or something? Yeah. And that is, but that is an element that that his spiritual female mentor is trying to actually draw out in him and saying, look, if only you could be more mature, if only you could be more like me, you'd be better. But it also speaks to the self improvement staple that we've been referring to a lot with Cruz himself. So I don't know so much that Cruz is interested in these stories necessarily 
because of he thinks that those are making great movies. I think it's more that they appeal to him on the level of betterment and self-improvement and also being being very good or getting good at a skill, which is yeah. something that also seems to be really important to him too. So one of the first things that Cole Trickle, and I'm going to say that name in full every single time, of course, Cole Trickle, mm-hmm. our hero. way to say it. So one of the first things that Cole Trickle says is, there's nothing I can't do with a car or something like that. <laughs> Except name the parts. And But Robert Duval's task is to teach him that may be true, but what you need to learn is actually restraint. And that is absolutely something that's true of Tom Cruise in the period just before this. Yeah. He can go out there and he can give it all the energy in the world and be, you know, fantastically charismatic and fun and wacky and woo, right? But actually sometimes, and I think he, I think his entrance in this film is kind of fantastic. It's amazing. It's the best one. It's amazing. And Robert Duval's reaction to it is perfect too. He just kind mm. of tusks and goes, oh God, you know, like, uh. so what is it? Let's let Rob describe We've us that entrance. To. I is- love it so much. Yeah. Because the first thing to note is that in the preceding shot before we see Tom Cruise, there's no smoke on the track. There's nothing. Okay. <laughs> and then, and then they, all the other characters, they build up to it. It's like, where's the driver? When's he going to be here? Is he going to come? And then the music goes, boom, boom. Because they know, Tony Scott knows that we know who's coming and it's Tom Cruise. <laughs> and it's it may not- as well that you say the music goes, boom, boom, but it yeah. doesn't. It may as well have gone. Oh, in my head it does that. <laughs> in my head it does. Yeah. Um, for um, me, for me, it might as well have gone. Dun, 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 dun. Well, everything does. Yeah, Yeah, everything does do that for me because that's the original Swedish film. Anyway, so the music goes right, and then and 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 Tom Cruise, not Cold Trickle now. Forget forget Cold Trickle. Tom Cruise (laughs) comes through, just blasts through the smoke, and it's like a 1980s music video or something. Exactly, comes through the smoke on his bike. I mean, next shot, it's all over. The smoke's gone. He just pulls up, and it's sort of done. But just that one shot where he washes in and his hair's all going. Yeah. What the hell? The bike, the denim, the sunglasses, the hair, especially the hair. Mm. Yeah, and the smoke. And there's the electric guitar. It's a great entrance, right? So you know straight away, oh, God, it's going to be the cocky, no, orchid. And that's what he is. But And that's why Robert Duvall's reaction's perfect. To give Cruz his credit with what I was just saying about learning restraint, that dialogue scene between him and Robert Duvall, he's kind of fantastic in that. Who, who's he, he? Him Cruise. or Rob? Right. I mean, Duval's just fantastic. He's, he can be in the worst shit in the world and he's brilliant. But <laughs> Right. Okay. No, because all he does is he just holds his gaze. A lot of the time, he's not even looking at him. He's just, mm. he's just carrying on with what he's doing. He's just talking. There's none of that like crazy maverick bravado or anything. He's just... Yeah, that was refreshing, I have to he's say. Just holding his, he's holding his ground. Yeah, there's something a lot more mature about the way that the Cold Trickle character handles that moment, which... I was actually pleasantly surprised by expecting him to be the rogue, maverick, whatever. But then again, the setup didn't really allow for that either. He needed his approval. And it, it was my first staple note, which was that actually there was a moment there where he's showing a little bit the voice of reason that we've spoken to before, which was when he says he knows he's not got the gig yet. And he says, let me ride. I won't embarrass you. That, to me, is that's a maturity that Maverick didn't have. Yeah, he's already got that when he comes into the film this time. He doesn't have to learn it right, from which, the beginning. 
lend some credence to the Cruiseverse. Yeah. So I think where this film exists, it's sort of in, in time and space, right? It's exactly of the crossroads between the 80s and the 90s. Yeah. And you can see that. You can hear the 80s and you can see the 90s. Yeah. But the second that we pass into 1990 when this film came out, Tom Cruise becomes 90s Cruise. He's, he's different in this, I think. He's yeah, changed. And he looks beautiful. He, he, no, he really does. And I have to, I have to say that objectively. I, it's see, Seeing him in this movie is the reason why I think he became a sex symbol. He, not, sorry, he did already, right? Because yeah, yeah. of his previous this movies. This solidified but, it, though. But he it, just it kind totally, of yeah, yeah. really grew into his looks, you know, in that sense. I don't know what else to say, but he, he's looking great. It's a lot of moose. It's a lot of excellent lighting. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, but I mean, yeah, you, I think you are right. He's at that. I think you said a couple of weeks ago that he'd moved from that sort of teen heartthrob stage to being, you know, he's an adult and yeah. a man. And he's, he's still playing a sort of immature jock in a way, but he's starting to get that look of, okay, he's, he's grown up now and he can't yeah. be being a teenager. And he's still only, what, 28? Oh, is he? Oh, if that is that, yeah. I guess, but he's just got that look now where this is how he looks now for the rest of his life. This is how he's going to look Pretty much. Forever. Yeah, he's only um, recently started to change. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But Ben, Rob, yes. we've heard from you. Mm-hmm. We know how you feel about this film. Let's just bottom line it, man. Tell me, how was it? I know. I knew how you felt about it before because you'd seen it before. I haven't seen it before. Okay. I, 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 probably, I probably have like, it's been on, but I don't have a memory of the time when i watched this movie does that make sense i never paid attention to it i didn't remember the plot or anything so i feel like i'm probably the freshest pair of eyes on this ben what was it like watching it this time it's enjoyable in fits and starts completely hollow largely forgettable for me i'm afraid sorry rob i would find it hard to disagree with that too much (laughs) i think yeah well, I, I think I, 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 I do enjoy it. Like, like I say, it is enjoyable in fits and starts. There are bits where I'm not super on board with it. All the driving, I sort of, I love all that. There are a few scenes with him and, and him and Duval. They work mm. really well. Yeah. Mm, stuff with Kidman, I'm not super sure about. She's not great in it. And the second act is boring. It is, it is. Just get me back to the racetrack. Because NASCAR, right? Is one of the dumbest sports for dumb people that there's ever been. <laughs> wow. It's, well, I don't I'm know. Sorry. I'm uh, sorry. That's just my not feeling. Endorse the comments of Ben Hyde. That's my feeling. I do. Yeah. I definitely yeah, okay. do. And I'm glad <laughs> you're saying it, so I don't have to. Yeah. Okay. Right. It, so it does take some real camera, sound, and editing skill to make it look as good as it does in this film, and it does look fantastic. And that's when when you're not seeing that stuff. It's boring. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to have to say it. I'm going to have to say now. All right, go. Ahead. Transformers. <laughs> yeah. Fast and Furious. Okay, and yeah. now my, this is my point. Not not because this movie is anything like those movies. It's to illustrate how I felt about it. Okay. And I'm afraid I'm going to be really alone. I like very little about this film. Okay. And the reason why. I feel is because there's no nostalgia at all for me. 30 minutes in after he wins his first race, I just, that was it. I didn't care anymore. I was really trying. It's a totally I, foregone conclusion. I, I, yeah. yeah. I just didn't care. It's like, I knew not, not just that I knew that was going to happen. It's just that 
I really wanted to switch it off. And Ben knows I don't switch movies off. I watch crap. Yeah. I watch a lot of crap. So and, watch to um, the end of Cocktail. Yeah, right, right. There was <laughs> something that, to turn that, this off. That was so bad. <laughs> that was so much worse. Cocktail. But there was something, there was a sick morbidity. Exactly. There's a kind of, a, yeah, yeah, perverse. Yeah. Um, but there was just something like, what? where the hell can this possibly go? With, that was with Cocktail. But this has more of a foregone conclusion, actually, than, than Cocktail does. But again, around about the same mark, actually. And I wrote, it's no longer enough for something to be cheesy and 80s for me to enjoy it. So what I recognize is it has to have some kind of nostalgia for for films this bad to to draw me in um and that that's unfortunate and i think that's the only reason why i watch transformers movies i hate every single one of them like i don't think they're any good but one of the things that frustrates me the most about transformers movies is i can't really make out what's happening in the action scenes they're too yeah. busy mm-hmm. and maybe i've got a block against it with cars but i don't i like cars but I could care less about seeing what they're doing and what's happening with them. I don't. I find them too confusing. So when you were saying Ben, it's like it's beautiful. It looks great. I wouldn't fault that. I I think especially some of the opening shots. Mm. But a lot of the racing action sets, it just confused me. But I just I was most bored by those things. So it's interesting that you're saying you wanted to return to those things, Ben. You could wait to come back. I actually enjoyed the scenes between him and uh, Nicole Kidman more. I'm not saying her performance was great, but one of their scenes has my favourite line in it. So, sorry, 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 guys. Double, no, no, triple no. sorry. It's fine. Yeah, I mean, but I just, I can't, I've got loads to say about how much I hate this film. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's well, let's, okay, let's just establish, because this film's got a pretty great cast. And it's written, by the way, by Robert Town, who will appear on this list later on. But he wrote Chinatown. Oh, I didn't recognise the name. One of the greatest scripts that's ever Agreed. been produced. Agreed. Hands down. Have you seen it, Rob? Well, Days of Thunder, one no. of the greatest scripts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Chinatown is all right, but oh, I have, I have, it's all right. I mean, if I had a choice, I'd watch Days of Thunder. But, yeah, I'm sure you uh, would. No, I'm not, I'm not too great at remembering screenwriters' names, so I, I didn't right. recognise the guy's name. No, I didn't either. So I'm yeah. pleasantly surprised. I'm like, wow, mm. that's, it makes me want to watch Days of Thunder again. Yeah. So you've got, yeah, you've got Cruz, you've got Kidman for the first time, Duval, Carrie Elwes, Michael Rooker, Randy Quaid. Yes. Randy Quaid. John C. Riley. And <laughs> as soon as John C. Riley turned up, I could not get Talladega Nights out of my head. Me too. And that kind of spoiled the whole film for me. But isn't that, <laughs> not, exactly is that not why he's in Talladega Nights? Yeah, of course it is. I never realized that before. Yeah. So that's John C. Riley's own little cruiserverse going on there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, he never season three. Yeah. yeah, Season three, the Riley first. That'd be no, brilliant. No, no. I'm not doing John T. Riley season three. Riley Tonomy. Jesus Christ. No. <laughs> worst, worst name Looking ever. Looking forward to the Chicago episode. Where, 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 where to start? Where, where to start? are we? Okay, what all right. So, Tony Scott. Tony Scott. So, you were, you were talking about how you don't really like the car action in this. And I think Tony mm. Scott has been accused of... Uh, being one of the early guys to put too much editing, too much coverage into his films, jumbling a bunch of images together to give the illusion of excitement. Now, I, I totally agree with the the sort of the philosophy behind that argument. I think there is a tendency to do lazy, over hyperactive editing in American movies. But I have to say, I, I was looking at Tony Scott's roster, and with the exception of Revenge, which is just about nineteen ninety. 
he didn't make a film in the 90s that I don't like. So I'll include Days of Thunder in that. But uh, Last Boy Scout, I absolutely love. Yeah. yeah. The fan, I will defend. I really enjoy the fan. Wesley Snipes and Robert De Niro. Yeah, I, I did like that in the, when it came out. Yeah, it's not a bad film, that. It's all right, you know what I mean? Okay, it's a bit bad. It's all right. Crimson Tide? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. And Enemy of the State. Mm. I think it was Danielle Ward who, who, and you've mentioned Danielle Ward on the podcast before. She's a big fan of, I think, the Mission Impossible Us. films. Right. But um, I think she once said that you know you're an adult when you realise that Tony Scott is better than Ridley Scott. She's, I mean, that's a stupid statement, but... I agree. I agree um, with her 100%. Oh, uh, really? I think she's right. They're so different, though. I, Tony Scott has never made any bones about the fact that he makes popcorn. Delicious popcorn. But, but he's never made a film as good as Blade Runner. Uh, I don't know. See, I am one of those arseholes who thinks that Blade Runner is a mirage. All right. 1492, Conquest of Paradise. <laughs> oh, no, that's a, obviously a masterpiece. I'm, masterpiece I changed my mind entirely. <laughs> what? I've never even heard of this film. Uh, uh, Rob, I don't think it makes you an arsehole. I think there's a lot of um, fandom around Blade Runner that it's, it has, it's become one of those movies that you have to automatically say that you love it and it's great. Otherwise, you're an outcast. And so I'm not surprised you, you know, self-deprecate so quickly in that way. But given the strength and the weight of the the way that you back up your opinions, especially here, and I now accept the love of cocktail because of the way I do not. I, I know what you're saying though is that you yeah. didn't actually defend it, Rob. You said I love it, kind of because it's awful in a lot of ways. Yeah. I mean, I, I sort of, after you read out my uh, email on the cocktail episode, I did realise I hadn't really given a good explanation of why I enjoy it. But I think I sort of enjoy it because it's like, a, it's like doing a crossword. It's some sort of weird puzzle. It's trying to fathom <laughs> out. Because if cocktail had, had been... It's trying to find out how bomb, it got made. You know, if it, was, if it had been a bomb, like you said, when you right. did the numbers for it, that was yeah. a smash film. Yeah. Now, I try, I'm trying to get inside the head of the people who genuinely, unironically just adore that? that film. Why would you and, do that? <laughs> well, if you just do that, you can't enjoy the film. But I think right. I do enjoy, if yeah, it was yeah, anyone yeah. else, if it wasn't Cruz, there'd be no chance. <laughs> if, right. I, if, I, if I imagine what about a Arnie? cocktail remake, Arnie and cocktail. Can you imagine? That would be beautiful. <laughs> no, it's no, not really. I totally want. I want it now, like Arnie now, Arnie and Cruz now in a remake of a remake of Cocktail. If it was Arnie like throwing bottles at people, <laughs> I would totally watch that. A gin and tonic, please, Arnie. Smash. Oh, this for a Harvey Ward banger. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Right. So no, I understand, um, but I still do think, Rob, that you need help. Ben, yes. Any notes on Nicole Kidman? Yes, um, she breaks one of our classic rules, which is Tom Cruise looking taller than he is, because she looks like an Amazonian compared to him in this. <laughs> and she he literally asks her on the phone, "How tall are you?" Does he? Yeah. I At one not... point, you, you must be seven foot one, surely. <laughs> I didn't hear that. <laughs> yeah. My note on Nicole Kidman was basically that. Uh, I'm really glad that she had Dead Calm under her belt before this film. I mean, she wouldn't right. have been on this film without Dead Calm, but if yeah. this was the beginning of her Hollywood career, I don't think it would have gone very far. It's weird. I didn't think she did that badly, given what the film is. Uh, you know, it, fine. The writer of this wrote Chinatown. 
The script is not good. Oh, no, it's not. But The dialogue is really bad. Yeah, but Robert Duvall shakes some good scenes out of it. Cruz shakes some good scenes out of it. Michael Rooker's really good in it. I think they do their best. I don't know that they shake good scenes out of it. The scene where Robert Duvall and Cruz are talking in the bar and where he's disclosing that he doesn't know anything at all about cars yeah. reads almost identically to... Have you ever seen that bit on Jimmy Fallon where kids write scripts? Yeah. Like, they're just given the title. Mm. I think it's called Kid Theatre or something, isn't it? Yeah, something like that. There's one with Tom Hanks. It's fantastic. The kids, Bridge of it's, Spies. Yeah, it's on YouTube. And the kids are just told, write, write what you think the movie is that with the title Bridge of Spies. It reads like that, the, the dialogue of Harry and... Harry Hogg and Cole Trickle. Sorry, what's Harry's full name? I... Harry Hogg. If you I pronounce mean, it with an American accent... Harry it's... Hogg. It almost goes to almost goes to Harry Hog, Harry Hog, <laughs> which I think is why he's called that. Yeah, Harry Hog. Um, he builds hogs. Jesus, I mean, what is he? Fucking horse whisperer talking to his cars. I mean, <laughs> I love that oh, horse whisperer. Hated he's all... all the car talking. Oh, shape right. you like a bullet. Yeah, it's yeah. like what the hell is happening? I just I wanted it to tip over the edge into parody. That's the thing that was missing for me. If it, it should have been a hot shots. And it comes, it comes so close. And the moment where I thought you are really towing the line with this one is the wheelchair chase. Oh man, yes. exactly. Was, That's it, a great example because you know because all they he, needed were fire extinguishers to add to the chairs <laughs> and then to just build it up, right? And then make it go ridiculous, and then it would have won. But if you if you watch that scene again, Alex, you will notice that. Tom, because I've watched it uh, twice right. this week, right? So I was okay. able to, I was able to examine Tom Cruise's well face and also. Uh, Do you watch Rowdy. it twice every week? Well, on a <laughs> usual week, I'm, on a um, slow week. <laughs> but but uh, what's his name? Michael Rooker, the guy who's yeah, playing yeah. Uh, Rowdy, yeah. Rowdy 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 Burns, whatever. Yeah. He um he is he does laugh during that. Now oh, I, does think, he? I think I think right. some of the actors think that this is... They know it's a drama, right? But they think there are some scenes which are supposed to be comedic. You look right. at Tom Cruise there, there's no comedy in that wheelchair mm. chase. He is full-on right. gunning it. It's like T2 or something, like mm. Robert Patrick running. And that, but, but the other guy is... He's, he's laughing. And you think that's a break of character rather than it's... I don't know if it's a break of character as much as he, he's read this scene and he thinks... That it's, it's supposed yeah. to be competition, but friendly mm-hmm. and fun. And I think mm. some of the other actors, like, what is it? Is it Randy Quaid? One of the Quaids, yeah. the Quaid. Yeah. He thinks he's in some sort of comedy. And I think he is riding that line very well. But he always acts like he's in comedy. Yeah. Well, I yeah, say. I mean, that's why he's hired. He is, and, yeah. And, and the Russ Wheeler guy as well. I think there are certain moments where he is sort of playing playing for laughs. The way when he's his car's hit and he scre- the way he screams, it's... I th- I burst out laughing. For me, that guy's hilarious. And the way he's all like pointing in his rear view mirror. Yeah. 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 But that's why he, the rest of his career has been comedy roles. He was like, oh, really? uh, what was the Robin Hood Men in Tights? That's his right. next film. Oh, that, it's that oh, guy. Yeah. I didn't recognize yeah. him. That's the guy. Yeah. But the, the, again, sorry, the to come back to it, the dialogue in that bar scene, it's drawn out. It's like, you can make that film a minute short, uh, that film, that scene a minute shorter. We've got to talk. All right. All right, Harry. Talk. Okay, it's like let's not start the scene there, right? Let's cut that bit, and that's and then it's like now on the radio during the race, you you want to run on the ragged edge all the damn time. You have to tell us what is going on with the car, right? That's what he said. You just want to change the way I drive. 
Maybe. Which, which, he, which he has said five times already, to be fair, yeah. Yeah, he, but it keeps yeah. going. It, like, yeah. that's the, and it's like they're talking again about it in the bar. And Robert Duvall just goes, maybe. It's like, who's writing this? Is it? He got his eight-year-old kid to write it, I'm sure. I'll tell you who's writing it. The Oscar-winning screenwriter, Robert Town. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, they're passing the conversation back to each other. Like, I don't know how to start this conversation. Who knows? Maybe that's a piece of genius writing about their characters feel it isn't. like they can't. No, it isn't. <laughs> Thank you. And it's and it carries on like you don't actually get into it. The only bit that I might say, OK, this strained conversation is is appropriate because there's something that Cruz doesn't want to admit, which is that he doesn't know anything about cars. Mm-hmm. The, very little of the dialogue. I don't feel like there's two characters talking to each other. It feels like they're reading lines from a script they've never read before. And it's the first rehearsal. Well, funny you should mention that. The script was not finished when they started filming and they were <laughs> often getting pages on the day. There we right. go. I love it. They're my favourite kinds of scripts. <laughs> oh, yeah. Every film shot that way works out great. Oh, it's brilliant. No, but it's nice to hear afterwards, though. I mean, because th- there are other it examples. Makes sense. For, for, the, for the most part, and I would like to suggest to you, one of the things that might be going on in that scene, right? And this only occurred to me on my second viewing this week. This, this was like inspiration i received from the film right that one of the themes of this film it has got a theme by the way i realized today oh, that it has got a please theme. enlighten Great. us yeah, fantastic the, th- the theme is about lies and truth right i didn't okay. realize before but the characters are often now it does suffer from that problem where they talk about the theme all the time so they're talking about <laughs> yeah. you're lying are you lying or telling the truth? At the end, Nicole Kidman says, were well, you going to leave? She says, no, I lied. I, I wasn't going to leave. I was going to watch you in the race. And they all talk about let's get drunk on moonshine and tell each other lies. And so they're trying to bounce backwards and forwards between like, am I, can I be honest with you as the, right. the, the engineer or whatever Harry Hogg is? And can I be honest with you as the driver? And so I think they're sort of bumbling around in that scene. Now, I think when you read the lines out there, Alex, like they, they are on the page, they are totally ludicrous. Yeah, start this scene, please. But I think when they're, when they're delivering them, I don't really feel like that scene is slow in any way. Um, they're, right. they're, they're, they're sort of needling each other to try and get to the truth of the matter, but none of them wants to... Yeah, that's the only pass I give it, because if that's what's going on, then fine. But that's the brilliance, Rob, that you're talking about there, where you can have two people basically going, blah, 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 right? <laughs> and it's still incredibly watchable because you've got yeah. lights moving across yeah, yeah. their face and cameras swishing. All of a sudden, we're at the back of the bar. What's and going on here? And they're not saying blah, blah, blah. They're saying blah, 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 blah. <laughs> There's gravitas. There's gravitas, right? We're not, uh, we're not really on lines, but there was, a, there was one of those great, dumb exposition moments where Nicole Kidman has examined Rowdy Burns and Cole Trickle for the first time and she's got their their brain scans up on the wall and she's saying to the NASCAR guys uh, yeah I don't don't think there's any uh, intracranial uh, fracture or anything like that and the guy goes hey cut the fancy talk duck lady just tell me if the squashes are gonna work or what it's like (laughs) He hasn't got a broken skull. That's all she said. Yeah. He hasn't got a broken skull. Whoa, whoa, slow it down there, Jack. <laughs> These yeah. two men. Whoa, hey, ho, oh, hey. <laughs> Calm down there, Lydia. <laughs> yeah, and I think you might have hit on a wider problem with this film, which mm. is that it does feel that it is insulting its target audience 
Yeah. Who is its target audience? I wrote a note. People like, who watch NASCAR. Yeah. Sincerely. People well, who fine. watch NASCAR. You think it's right. Fine. And that's a huge group. And yeah. so it's not a stupid move to say, let's make a movie about something that millions of people across America watch and that maybe people internationally might like too. So that's not a stupid business decision necessarily. I wrote a question for you guys. Is this, is this a chick flick? Hmm. It's a yeah. difficult one, isn't it? Because whenever I, I always think, whenever you start talking about target audiences and demographics and that, you are in danger of insulting massive groups of people, right? Because like science fiction is supposed to be made for teenage boys, but every woman I know that watches movies loves sci-fi movies. At least one sci-fi movie, one sci-fi show. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think it's a chick flick because it is really a movie about men for men. But I think also they were very cunning with, you know, having Tom Cruise as the lead, having a fairly strong, in inverted commas, female character who's not too sexy, too beautiful, going up against him, you know, in this sort of thing. That's very appealing. That's, you know, that's Julia Roberts's appeal is summed up there. She's beautiful, but she's not threateningly beautiful. She tames him that's the thing that's and, gi- and gives as good as she gets as well like, yeah you know, she yeah, yeah. Uh, and there's something sort of i guess e- equal about the romance as well the romance in this funnily enough was more believable than the romance in top gun no disagree you don't that. agree the romance between val kilmer and tom cruise <laughs> <laughs> no i don't know why i felt that it could just be the day I don't know that I'm going to make a strong comparison there. It's just it's just something for it was interesting for me to think of. This ostensibly looks like a guy film, you know, with cars and action and but the romance in it I think is it's it's quite a big part of the storyline. It's more than has been in in other Cruise movies. I, I don't know. Nicole Kidman's uh, biggest contribution to this film is having two sweet and low packets moved up and down her shin bone. That's really her most memorable scene for me. And, and I'm not knocking the Kidman. I don't think she gives a great performance in this, but I don't think she's got anything to do other than to turn up, be the butt of some jokes, and then cheer him on at the end. That's really her entire part, isn't it? Right. So there's no, not I a lot agree. you can do with that. Oh, yeah, I mean, we're talking, we're talking about different things. I mean, I'm not talking about the Kidman's performance. That's yeah, yeah. separate. No, you're talking about chemistry and things like that, which I didn't, I didn't right. really Right, oh, I see. Okay. I just, I got the feeling and we need a, we need a different opinion, obviously, a female opinion. Is this actually appealing for women as a a romance? Is it something that is, it it felt very much Mills Mills and Booney to me. Do you see what I mean? I agree with that. Yeah. There was still something there for me. And it's no accident that this is the film that he and her met on and they go on and got married. Yeah. And And I think that's the most interesting thing about their relationship is that yeah. This was happening for real. So we yeah. talked about him having gross kissing in this film. Their kissing didn't gross me out in this. It was fine. Yeah. Tom Cruise has learnt to tame that tongue. <laughs> Maybe in more ways than one, I don't know. But <laughs> and, and that is kind of interesting. It's like, well, because they're so different, aren't they? Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman are from totally different worlds in almost every way. That it's kind of fascinating when they came together, I think. Yeah, I mean, you could say the same of the characters in the film and them in, uh, in real life. You, you wouldn't think of them as being as perfect a match as, say, Tom Cruise and Mimi Rogers. Yeah, it's kind of a weird pa- pairing. And, and the fact that they, she is his uh, love interest, or actor who plays his love interest, who comes back for the most films, I think. 
Mm. You know, she, yeah. so she comes back twice more. It's only Michelle Monaghan who comes back right. yeah, three yeah. times. Yeah, there's something that works with them for all of those films that they're in together. I think. Yeah, and I, perhaps that's all. That's the only thing I'm picking up on. So I wouldn't necessarily uh, credit the film with having better chemistry. They clearly had some chemistry. In the back of my head, I've got this scratching thing saying, "Alex, you haven't said why. You've explained why Transformers, but why Fast and the Furious?" And the reason is, I would happily watch every single one of the Fast and Furious movies again, three times before watching this movie again. <laughs> yeah, I. Pr- I- pretty much agree with that apart from the fourth one still fine for me because of good because of i would want to watch it after watching the third and before watching the fifth but you see i think a big part of the fast and furious's charm and i think it is lost on vin diesel is that the filmmakers seem to be cluing us into the fact that we know why you're here we know you're here to look at girls butts in bikinis fast cars loads of destruction and, you know, Tyrese getting jokes made about his head, right? <laughs> Vin Diesel, Vin Diesel thinks he's making Rocky, he's making Papillon, he's making Serpico, like he's making great drama that should be getting Oscars. And that just adds to that charm. Right. Because I think Days of Thunder, it, like we said, it sort of doesn't tread that tonal line that well. It it takes itself really seriously, apart from a couple of scenes that are so out of left field, they feel like from a different movie. And actually, I think the wheelchair chase and the, the subsequent bit where they're supposed to be on the way to the restaurant and mm. they're trying to ram each other, that's a great sequence. I love that. It's all the stuff where they're not in cars that's boring. <laughs> actually, the chemistry between Cole Trickle and what's his name? Rowdy Burns. Yeah. Rowdy. 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 That's good. I like them. I like the way they are together. I think I think um, Rowdy Burns, the uh, what's his name again? I'm not going to remember, am I? My, Michael Rooker. You just call Michael him Yondu Rooker. if you want. Yeah, I think I think you're right there, Alex. But I think a lot of that heavy lifting is being done by Michael Rooker. You know, he's the one who's making that chemistry work between the two of them. Tom Cruise is. I feel like he's not bad in this film, but for the most part, he is just responding back to Michael Rooker in those scenes. They work. Well, they work well together. But Tom Cruise has one scene apart from his legendary entrance scene. Uh, that I liked. I'm not going to say it's it's a good subtle scene or anything like that. But it's when he goes to see uh, Rowdy Burns and Rowdy's playing pool or snooker or whatever, and Cole Trickle has figured it figured out. He has figured out mm. in his trickle mind that um, Rowdy Burns has got uh, serious you know brain issues, and he asks him what the cup on the wall is, and he says, "Well, what does it say?" It's like, yeah, it's the was it it's not the, the Winston Cup? Cup the, Winston the Winston Cup. Cup. That's it. He goes, yeah, that's a that's an easy one to forget. That whole scene's really nice, and then he grabs the bat, and that's his flip out moment. It is, and the too much energy moment. One of the staples, yeah, yeah it's one definitely yeah, yeah. one of the staples. He's got a lot of scowling in this, could just because he's looking through a visor a lot of the time, so it, yeah, his eyes are isolated. But right I, at the beginning, he's certainly scowling. And he's got a sort of that cute, that he's, I don't know if it's in previous films, but he's started to develop that cute grin where just the sides of his mouth turn up. He doesn't open his mouth. And, yeah, it, and he even does that to Duval. Not, not yeah. even Kidman. I mean, he's, he does that to yeah, the yeah. camera. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think he's worked out he can do that, and it looks cute yeah. by this point. But he's, it, it's that feeling now with him that like he's always on. I mean, maybe he is, but I don't know that he's very different at this in this movie anyway. From on screen and off screen, I don't know how much acting he's doing necessarily. No, I think that's I think that's right. Yeah, and yeah. we're getting into classics. Mm. Um, 
one that we can't have is doing his own stunts. He really wanted to do all his own driving. Yeah. And just for insurance purposes, they said, no, we, yeah. no, we, yeah. too dangerous. That's depressing. It's amazing yeah. to know also this early in his career that this is something that he was into. Like he, he did not, he does not want a stunt replacement. He, he wants it to be him. And I'm, I'm curious, you know, what, what, what that's about. And this, this hasn't something, hasn't been something that's occurred to me before. Maybe one of the reasons why he decided to do this film is that he likes driving. I don't know, because on the face of it, it's such an obvious, uh, not just a sequel to Top Gun in a way, but, but a step down from Top Gun. The stakes are lower. Yeah. Cars are necessarily less exciting than jets. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, maybe that was the thing that tipped it over the edge for him. He, I, I did see in the credits that he came up with the story yeah. with, uh, was it Robert Town? Robert yeah. Town? Yeah. Um, so maybe that was part of it. He was like, great, that worked in Top Gun, and I like cars. Yeah. That's, I think that's exactly it. I think that's exactly it. It, yeah. it is, and it's, it's, he is something he's well known for. Cars and bikes. He likes ri- riding motorbikes as well. Other classics. We got the flip out. We definitely got the hair. Getting some. Him and he Nicole get Kidman. <laughs> um, shirtlessness. Only yeah, in that scene. A little bit. Only in that scene. Too much energy. The baseball bat. Now, you said voice of reason earlier. Just right Can at you... the beginning. Okay, fine. Right, right at the beginning when he, he recognises what's needed to to get the gig. And he, he just sincerely says to Robert Javel, let me ride. I won't embarrass you. And it's reminiscent of like when he was trying to convince um, colleges and universities in all the right moves to take him on, to you know, to give him a scholarship and all that. He's, yeah. he's on the phone doing that. There's something about his tenacity in that sense. But it's also a reasonable tenacity. It's not, why won't you give me my shot? You know, like a angry teenager so it's there in the character for sure but my favorite was the running the very um, end what? of the film did i miss oh, the yeah. running i missed it's it the last, the last shot, shot of the film oh my god i was not paying attention i'm sorry oh, guys dude it's one of the best bits of the film go on rob <laughs> the last three seconds yeah what happens what happens rob go on rob well at the end of the film you know the bit with nicole kidman's done they've had their kiss they've had their moment Go away, Kidman. Now comes the end. Of, now comes the resolution of the real romantic story. Correct. Okay. Harry is on the side, and he's sort of like, um, he, well, I was going to say he's sobbing, but he's only sobbing when the camera is on his left. When Tony Scott flips the camera around, he ain't sobbing. So anyway, that's just consistency. But Tom Cruise consoles him and says, you know, we've won this race, and Harry's like, I thought you were going to die, whatever, whatever. Uh, now let's go to Victory Lane and get our cup. And so he gets up and they start That's to walk. That's a euphemism. And then they... But he says, I'll carry you or something, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, I'll, car- I'll carry you to victory. They know I can walk. Let's run, you son of a bitch. And they, let's race. And then they race. And, and Robert Duvall gives it. And earlier in the film, he tries to run. And you can see his knees are made of plasticine or something. He can't do anything. <laughs> yeah. And in that last shot, he gives it... He does. Beans. I thought it was going to be fully embarrassing because he's got like bow-legged legs, isn't he? Like a yeah. cowboy. But then, yeah, he, he properly starts pouting. But just at the point that Tom Cruise starts giving it something, he's about to catch him up. Freeze frame. Yeah. Beautiful. Great freeze frame. Anyway. Big grins on their faces. Yeah. I mean, Tom Cruise looks like a like he's in a field full of puppies. He's like... <laughs> <laughs> Great, Beautiful. and then that, and then that awful White Snake song to take us through the credits. Last note of freedom. Terrible, mm, terrible. And and you know, I would rather that they, they shoehorned the phrase, the name "Days of Thunder" into the movie somehow, rather than have it be in that song at the end. It's in that song. 
Days of Thunder. Yeah, yeah, but I was thinking, it, it, why is it called Days of Thunder? Is it because that sounds like Daytona? Oh, I oh I don't oh, know. I, don't I, just, know. I thought it was because the cars revving. It sounds like Thunder. Is it as basic as that? I mean, it's a it's a basic film, so it could be just that. Yeah. I, I don't know. It sounds cool though, you know. It it's does, like a James yeah. a James Bond movie title. Yeah. You just need a couple it of is. cool sounding words. Yeah. Now can I can I suggest if yeah. it will be okay a new staple? <gasps> yeah, please. And this might even just be a, a crossover into um, it's your numbers because this Got list staple ready. sweet. So we can segue into that. But this staple requires some numbers. Okie dokie. It's your numbers. Because you might not know, but one of the things that I have done that is cruise related is an analysis of the ages of his love interests. All right. Okay. Okay. So I've made a YouTube video about it. It's, it's ridiculously over-analytical, so I'm not going to get too much into it today. But if you want to look it up, you can look up, oh. is, em- is Emily Blunt too young for Tom Cruise, which I made a couple okay. of years ago. Right. When they made Days of, uh, yeah. was it Edge of Tomorrow? Edge of Tomorrow, yeah. Now, it's not become clear just yet, but it's going to become increasingly clear that Tom Cruise is shacking up with women who are a little bit too young for him. And when you get to the, you know, get to the films that are coming out now, like The Mummy, you've got co-stars who are like 20 years younger than him. Yeah, and the rest. Exactly. Now, as someone who's got a C in GCSE maths, I thought... <laughs> I thought, who better than to do an analysis yeah. to see if we can predict how old his female love interests are going to be based on when the film comes out. But what, so what I did was I put into a statistical model, guys, all, all the previous ages of his love interest and see if we yeah. can predict how old they should be in the next film, right? Mm. And so starting in, in, the, in the mid-80s to 1990, that they, the prediction hovers around about one year younger than him. But from yeah. 1990, when Days of Thunder comes out, from then on, it starts ticking up in a straight line. And for every year that Tom Cruise ages, his love interest age by only three quarters of a year, real humans age a year in every year. Yeah. So he can't keep bringing the same women back because they're aging too fast. And then as we go on, that gap just gets bigger and bigger by the same amount. Tom Cruise... His mind is like a machine. It's like a movie-making machine, right? And he is... Now, he's got control over his female co-stars. And so, in a way, he's casting these people. And he starts to cast people very precisely according to this. I'm going to have to... uh, I'm going to have to check out this video. Is Emily Blunt too young for Tom Cruise on YouTube? Definitely going to have a look at that. It's an an admission of insanity. I'm going to say this right now. It definitely is. Do you not think it's somehow related to his occasional trips back into history? And he's somehow Mm. messed. That's why he doesn't age like normal human beings. Vampire. By the time he's 50, he really looks about 35. And some of this is is some of the effect of traveling backwards and forwards in time. It could be, yeah. Almost certainly, yes. We're a bit thin on proof here on, on the cruise cast. I'll admit that. But our logic is sound, and I challenge anyone to fault our logic. After you've checked out Rob's video about Emily Blunt, I think you should check out my short, soon-to-be-released YouTube video. Does Rob Marlin just go on other people's podcasts to promote his own shit? The answer is yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm down with that. I'm cool. I'm all about the sharing. Let me give you the rest of the numbers, then. Because we started out with some numbers there. 
I'm going to do them backwards because, frankly, this is pretty insane. So, the worldwide gross on this film was $166 million. It's kind of around the ballpark that you expect a big Tom Cruise movie to be at this point. His salary was $9 million, so that's three times what he got on Cocktail. But the budget for this film, $60 million. That's mental. That's surely one of the most expensive films made at that time. And I don't think it's all up there on the screen, if I'm honest. Uh, I don't know how much of it could possibly be up there on the screen, other than cars are kind of expensive to keep crashing. It's your numbers. I wonder now how much of the film is just sort of stock footage from NASCAR of races. A lot of it is, apparently, yeah, real races. shots, Shots from the distance, probably. And, but a lot of that budget must have been fronted by sponsors. Right, because they would have had to have painted the cars the way that yeah, they needed yeah, yeah, them yeah. to be painted in the film. They did, um, they did try and top gun it a little bit by bringing in you know, real events from the history of NASCAR into the plot of the film. So we talked about the, the backwash and Goose's death in Top Gun being inspired by a real life event that happened. Right. I think the, the most badass moment in this film apparently is directly from a real-life incident, and that's the bit where uh, the race is over, Russ Wheeler has won, Tom Cruise yeah. is in the pits, and he says, let me go back yeah. out, and he ramrods him. That best best moment cool. of the whole film for me. Yeah, and apparently some psychopath did it that really at the Indy happened. 500. Yeah, it really did. That is, that is um, not you know completely wrong, but yeah, also kind of badass that, that the person did it. Which leads me to quotes. Favourite lines, Ben? I've only got three. Rob, Rob, you go first. All right. Well, you said Ben, but yeah. Well, you know, change my mind. I work well. Okay. There's a couple that I've got, but there's one I like from from the Quaid, the Quaidinator. When he's the Quaid, the Quaid he's, a, he's busting their balls after they've messed up the race. He says, "We messed yes. up big time on Sunday. I had sponsors in the stands, and I'm hugging and holding hands and kissing them in the ear." <laughs> Why? And, pray, and praying for a good showing and what do we oh, do because it's, it's so loud you have to speak really close to the ear yeah I mean I, yeah this this could be one of those lines that wasn't yeah. written until the morning right. um, and, and what do we do we end up looking like a monkey fucking a football out there and yeah. I, I, that, that is a laugh out loud, loud line oh that it, it a was a funny line man. one I of mine yeah well done it is um, one of mine too and it's got that sort of I think because it's a script where there's a lot of Southern people in it, Southern, you know, Southern American people, there's a lot of talking in metaphors, which I don't know if they really do, but screenwriters seem to think that they do. So, it, you know, yeah. I love all of those. And I started writing down lines as though there were going to be loads of innuendos in this. And uh, there aren't. I was just expecting it because it has, because of the Top Gun link, they yeah. thought, oh, they're going to do that in this too. And very little, actually, in comparison with Top Gun. Like, just a little rubbing Harry... <laughs> Robin is racing. racing. I'm going to pull this rookie's chain. That was my Michael Rooker impression. Okay. Yeah. And then my, but my favorite line in the whole thing is Nicole Kidman line. Yeah. It's when she says, I'm going to let you into a little secret that almost everybody else in this world automatically knows. Control is an illusion, you infantile egomaniac. Nobody knows what is going to happen next. Not on a freeway, not on an airplane, not in our own bodies, and certainly not on a racetrack. That's a great line from Nicole Kidman, but my yeah. favourite line of hers is, you aren't going to do anything weird on my leg, are you, Cole? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like what? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. It is Let weird. me just go and get it a couple weird. of packets of uh, saccharin and I'll show you. <laughs> so, Ben, your lines. 
Uh, well, there were more about delivery, really. Uh, right at the beginning where Tom Cruise knows he's going to crash. Uh-oh, this is going to hurt. His delivery of it was nice. Uh, the monkey fucking the football, obviously. Bring him back. Remember me? Is his... Um, it's like a nightmare, isn't it, from Col- uh, Color of Money? But actually, yeah, it was yeah. it was K- Carrie Elwes in good. the final, final race that made me laugh. Where Cruise... Sorry. Ap- apologies, everyone. Cole Trickle uh, is about to do the slingshot move on Russ Wheeler. And um and, and Carrie always goes, he's going high, he's going low, son of a bitch. <laughs> In that final scene, there are lots of just saying things that are happening, and just, yeah. and I do I do find those funny. They are funny. I tell you what, there's loads of though. There's shots of Tom Cruise clearly not moving his mouth, but having lines of dialogue. Really, he's yeah, just when, there, with like the accelerator. Yeah, when his accelerator gets yeah, yeah, jammed, that's it. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah. Clearly in the edit, they thought it's not obvious what's happening here. So we have to have him say, as he jams his foot on the accelerator that isn't moving, say, <laughs> the accelerator is broken, Harry. I therefore cannot decelerate or whatever he says, you know? <laughs> yeah. You could get away with that in those days because with, I don't know, with a blurry mm. cinema screen, I don't know what, you couldn't yeah. see the mouth. It wasn't HD. I don't know, but it yeah. does look a bit stupid. There's a lot in this film that is laughable. And I just think it would have gone, it could have gone that extra mile. If it became a parody, but again, how how well did it did? How how well did it? How did? well did it did? Well, let me tell not you, as boy. Did, not as did as well as my English. This movie done did pretty good. Yeah, it it made about three times its budget, so it did pretty well. I think it just cost so much that it it was one of the first films that had to break a hundred million to break even. Right after yeah. promotional costs and all that sort of yeah. stuff. I think at least ten or fifteen million dollars of that budget though is Don Simpson's cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> Is this not libelous? Now that's libelous. That. No, <laughs> even it's not. It's not. Read his book. It oh, is right, a, okay. his autobiography. Oh, right. it's, it. If it's an autobiography, fair enough. You know, there's nothing we okay. can. I think it's that time, Alex. Not yet. I don't think it's that time yet, Alex. Reboot, remake. Oh, why bother? Leave it alone. Yeah. Oh, I... Rob thinks different. Rob thinks I sequel. Know. I think. No, I don't think sequel. I think for for something like Top Gun, I'm okay with the idea of a sequel. Yeah. Feel, it feels like it can make sense with him getting the teacher role or maybe something like this. With this, I think it. W- I think a remake with Zac Efron might mm. it'd be okay. I mean, not for not for me necessarily. Yeah, but it it could work. Like like you say with the Fast and Furious, the filming of cars. How about could be- how about a parody with Tom Cruise and Zac Efron, where the opening shot is of like very fast flying, like through the air, and you're thinking, oh my god. And they've got helmets on and they're like, oh my God, yeah, and they're talking like this. But you find out that they're VR piloting drones. Yeah. <laughs> what, really... Is this a sequel to Days of Thunder? Here? And they're like yeah, really tiny, is. tiny little drones, like this big. Oh. And, <laughs> and they're, but they're part of, like the size of my hand, and they're part of some nerdy subculture that races drones in an Wait. indoor arena. If you Lego movied this, right? So you thought you were doing a film, you were watching a film about Daytona, but actually it turns out you were watching Micro Machines the whole time. Micro I Machines. Would totally be down for that. That yeah. would be awesome. And Tom Cruise is the mentor, Zach Efron is the uh, hero. See, that the reason why something like Baywatch can work is because Hasselhoff is happy to come back and spoof right. himself. Right. Uh, I haven't Cruise. seen it. I, I think I should. My mum's seen it. She loved it. Right. Um, <laughs> But 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 Cruise. Did you do a think, podcast on it by any chance? Of course, we bloody did. Great. 
<laughs> I am. Um, I don't think uh, Cruz is able to to laugh at himself in that way and spoof his old like the, the top. I disagree one hundred percent. I disagree one hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. Because um, there's a period of his career that I'm really looking forward to getting getting into. Like I'm thinking about Tropic Thunder and um, a gold member, his part in that, and but that was on his comeback trail. And he's back now. He's back, but that doesn't, I don't know that he wouldn't do a comedy. I think you have to be off the radar in a way that Hasselhoff is off the radar. Exactly. Tom Cruise is still making these Mission Impossible films. I don't... Yeah, know. that might actually be just like a bog-standard agent decision. Like, that's what you do when you need to make a comeback. You let everyone know that you're not taking yourself too seriously. You make exactly. a comeback and then you can take yourself seriously again. Right. Exactly. Fair enough. Um, so, yeah, point taken. I would love to be surprised yeah. because I yeah. think it would be good, you know. He's such an icon that those sort of icons are the ones who work so well when they do spoof themselves. I tell you, I don't know if you know about this, Rob, a celebrity fan of Days of Thunder, he's been very vociferous about his defense of it, is Mr. Quentin Tarantino. You're joking. Really? He, um, he, and he said, you know, of those car race movies, I think that's the best one. And he said, yeah, yeah, you can laugh, but you go back and watch Grand Prix or Le Mans from the 60s and 70s, those movies that New- Newman and McQueen were doing. And he said, Days of Thunder gave it the money it needed to do it, and it did it better. Visually? I don't know. I don't know what he's talking about. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Thanks, I haven't Quentin. seen those older films, so I can't really compare. No. And I think he, he must only be referring to the car racing, not to the, like you say, the, the dull second act. And So... Let's bring it back around to Mr. Cruz. Take yep. a little trip over to the Cruiserverse. We first meet time-traveling, quantum-leaping actor Tom Cruise in Endless Love, where he plays the angel of death who starts a fire and sets off a chain of events that nearly kills all of the main cast. As a result, he is sent to military academy in Taps, where he sadly dies. Then we jump to the past to see his father in The Outsiders, who has a brother in Losing It. His son goes on to become an American football player in all the right moves. On his way to college, he has a dream which is risky business, which convinces him to write a story to his father, Legend, explaining why he's going to Miramar to train as a fighter pilot in Top Gun. After beating the Russians, he takes some R&R and becomes a pool husser in The Color of Money. He loses the pool game, goes to New York, goes to Jamaica, learns to make cocktails, gets a woman pregnant, and then fucks off. He finally becomes successful in business and finds out he's got an autistic brother in Rayman who he then loses. When he assumes the form of real-life war veteran Ron Kovic in Born on the Fourth of July, we discover his mum is the same as Sam Beckett from Quantum Leap, confirming Tom Cruise, Quantum Leaps. If you wish to make a movie star from scratch, you must first invent the Cruiseverse. Dr. Sam Beckett's mum from the Leap Home episode of Quantum Leap plays his mum in Born on the Fourth of July. No way. And that's yes, how he's way. able to suddenly, to suddenly go from playing whatever character he wants to embodying a real-life person in the form of Ron Kovic. Well, I'm relieved because it's going to make it a lot easier going forward this, isn't it? It, it certainly is. is. It, it, it certainly is. is. <laughs> Now, did, before before we, I mean, Days of Thunder is an easy one, I think. But did you have any thoughts about how Days of Thunder fits into the Cruiserverse? Well, one line I picked up on when they're all drinking the the moonshine in the in the van after they've won the first race, and Tom Cruise is talking a little bit about his past, and he's saying that uh, I've never stuck with anything since. It made me think, okay, well, here's the get out. Here's how he's he's found his brother in in Rain Man, and yeah. no, I've ditched him. I've ditched him. I don't stick with anything. I'm gone. Um, well, in fairness, his brother was taken away from him at the end of that film. Was he really? 
Yes. It's, it's, it's been a while since I've okay. said that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I think he talks about having raced cars before, but he doesn't know anything about cars. You know, I think he knows more about jet planes, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so yeah. he's just, he's faking it. Yeah. So those are my only feelings. I'm not sure how it, how it goes from the previous films, you know? It does fit. Because if you rewatch his entrance out of the smoke, there was no smoke at the beginning. He rides in on his exactly. bike. Exactly. And and what was the last thing we saw in Born on the Fourth of July? Ron Kovic threw some doors into a bright white light. Yes. Back into the Quantum Leap Accelerator. Leaping back into the Quantum Leap Accelerator into the body of Cole Trickle. Now, you're right, Rob, when you say it's going to make it a lot easier to say he's leaping, but not necessarily. Because there's something about what's going on with Tom Cruise in the Cruiserverse which yeah. is very different from what was happening to, well, Scott, Scott Bakula. Bakula. Tom Cruise is not leaping into the body of Cole Trickle. No. He is leaping back into the body of Tom Cruise, who has now taken on the persona of Cole Trickle. That is what's happening in the Cruiserverse. Yes. And so he emerges from the smoke and the light. And, and I think so the, leap, the leap was into Runkovic. Exactly. Right? Yeah. But then he's back as Tom Cruise, and then he's moving forward in the Tom Cruise timeline across the Cruiserverse. It fits that in that he comes from Rain Man to straight to this. His body does, yeah. <laughs> so body assured. Does. Yeah, his body does, obviously. I mean, come on. His body does. Yeah, you know, Rain Man's in the stands. He's doing all the stats on Cole Trickle. He's, Who do you think? He's, he's at home watching NASCAR going, yeah. definitely going to win, definitely going to win. <laughs> definitely gonna slingshot of course of course but in the opening sequence i i genuinely it's starting to have an effect on me this cruiserverse stuff because i was watching it going he's got no backstory because he has no backstory because he's making it up he's just made culture club yeah right and and they're like who is this guy where did he come from who is he um is there something about the dialogue in that scene which really does sound like he's a confidence man like he's he's got the sort of hat covering his eyes so no one can see that his eyes are darting left and right as yeah. he pulls this stuff out of his ass and, yeah. and 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 do you know what it took a few times for me to watch that scene to actually take it in because uh, duval is talking about oh i lost some money in mining stock or something and then tom cruise is like oh my dad conned me on some yacht venture and it it, it has no impact on the rest of the film it's hold it right there hold it right there yeah Tom Cruise is making this shit up on the spot. One guy mentions mining, the other guy mentions a yacht. Hey kid, what's your name? Coal mining, water trickle. Coal trickle. <laughs> Excellent. Brilliant. And we have seen Tom Cruise in not a mining job, but a yeah, steelwork steel job. That's right, yeah. yeah all the white moves. And he was on a yacht in cocktail. God, it's just, you know, it's just, it's just, it, the links are just too profound. And also, as Rob pointed out, something that he takes very, very seriously in this is how good he now is in a wheelchair. Hey, that's true. His most recently acquired skill. Well, there you go. That's why he's taking it so seriously. Because as Ronkovic, he, he, he learned. He had to. Had to he learn it to quick. That, yeah. yeah. Well, wow. this, is, this is beyond uh, minds being blown. <laughs> so, the last My time we see... exploded. The last time... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we see Tom Cruise in this film is in freeze frame. That is very, very purposeful because 
we're actually going to take a trip back in time to see one of his ancestors next. If I'm not mistaken, the next film is Far and Away, isn't it? It is. It is. So we're actually not going to follow this iteration of Tom Cruise. We're going to see where he came from. And also how him meeting Nicole Kidman in this film was destiny because it happened in a previous life. So wait, you're doing the Cruiseverse for Far and Away now? Kind of. It's a teaser. We'll find out more <laughs> next time. No, on, on what? Next time on what? The Cruiseverse! As you know, Robert, we... Uh, is it Robert or Robin? It's Rob. Robert. Well, Robert, yeah. Right. <clears throat> As you know, Roy, we like to end the episode by ranking this film in all of our films, all of our Tom Cruise films. Now, you've said in previous communique with us that Top Gun's probably tops so far, closely followed by Cocktail. But if you had to pick probably your top five cruise movies from the whole pantheon, what would uh, what do you think they would be? Wow, okay. Well, I've got his IMDb page open here. From the top pantheon, I would probably say uh, Top Gun would be in there. Mission Impossible, um, Ghost Protocol. Yeah. That is my... That is, Slightly, just just my favourite out of those. But I probably would just choose one Mission Impossible. Yeah. I might say The Last Samurai. I quite wow. like that. Okay. Maybe Interview with a Vampire. Nice. Do you know what? He's got so many more to choose from that are quality pictures compared to Arnie. With Arnie, there really are those top five that everyone agrees on, I think. With Tom Cruise, there's, there's more variation in the, in the tone and the subject matter and maybe more potential for disagreement. It sounds like you're going for the Tom Cruise movies rather than the Tom Cruise performance because you've left out things like Eyes Wide Shut and Magnolia, his kind of more serious yeah. Oscar-y films. And Rain Man. You know, Rain Man, I promise you, like you, when it's you fantastic. watch Rain Man, you're going to be like, oh, Watch right. that with your mum. Yeah. Ra- Rain Man is, pre- is pretty good, but I think Rain Man belongs to that genre of films where there is someone in the film with some sort of uh, mental problem, whether it's like a mental yeah. illness or a condition of some kind. And so it fits in with that Forrest Gump and what is it, the sh- Shine or something? Yeah. They do have their own yeah. standard things that happen in all of those films. So I think it, it's a good example of those films. Yeah, so maybe not. It's pretty good. But uh, I think if I had to make my list of films that are at the top five at this stage of his career, Rain Man would, uh, would be in there. All right, okay. So, Alex, you've had some time to think. Super easy to rank it for me. Okie dokie. Um, I, I struggled for a minute to put it above Cocktail, but I did. But I couldn't put it above Legend, which I was no, pretty cool on as well. Oh, my um, gosh. So, I've got it right down there. So, my bottom five are Losing It, Endless Love, Cocktail, Days of Thunder, and Legend. But my top five at the moment are Rain Man is at the top, Color of Money, Top Gun, Taps, and Risky Business. Yeah, I'm going. I'm almost exactly the same as you again, Alex. From the bottom, it's Endless Love, Losing It, Cocktail, then The Outsiders. Then I'm putting Days of Thunder. And then above that is Legend. The the reason, and, you know, that settles your Ridley Scott versus Tony Scott debate right there, buddy. But uh, um, if if Top Gun weren't higher up the list. But the thing about Legend is it's, it's arguably more boring for longer. But when it hits, the artistry in it is phenomenal. Oh, I don't know. I, legend, it's close to the bottom for me. That is, that's below losing it for me. Now we did talk last year about how I'm just one of those people who can't get on board with fantasy films, but right. Legend for me is is I think the worst fantasy film I've seen. Where it really just is the rules change, 
I, I agree. Scene. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you and all the way. There's, there's just nothing to grab yeah. hold of. And, yeah. um, and, and to me, it seems like someone's gone, I want to make the best fantasy film that was ever made. Let's put goblins and unicorns and any old random yeah. shit in it. You, you're not um, wrong. Yeah. You're not wrong. No, well, you're not wrong. But I'll tell, tell you what legend has that Days of Thunder doesn't have, Rob. It's Tim Curry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's true. But um, Rob, right. uh, should we just redo a legend um, podcast? Just like, because that'd just be, uh, it wouldn't be very interesting. We'd just be agreeing about how rubbish it was. I, yeah. I don't want to rewatch the movie. Sorry. I, I hate it I'm rescinding so my offer. So, but yeah, so on the rewatch value, actually, Days of Thunder does have legend beat because, it, yeah, it's glossy, it's flashy, it's total switch off your brain stuff. It's kind of fun. But, I'm never going to get the urge to watch it again. Whereas I could see myself going, yeah, I might, I might actually give Legend another go. That's that's all it is. That's what it comes down to. I mean, that's fair because even though I really do hate Legend, there have been times where, like every few years, I'll go and check in just to see if I was wrong. I mean, I ne- I never am wrong. It is bad, <laughs> but uh, there there are weird things in there that are worth watching. Like you say, Tim Curry is amazing. So, yeah. I'll give you that one if you give me cocktail. Nah, you're all right. You can have it. Well, on on that note. Yeah, thank you again, Rob, for joining us. Everyone needs to go and check out My Mum Wrote a Porno. <laughs> That's what it's <laughs> That's called, his right? mum, man. Starting, starting. Right. <laughs> he said it, not me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, thanks, Rob. Uh, you, you, you've livened everything up for us again. Uh, and please come back for season three when we do John C. Riley. Looking forward to it. I'll start watching all his films right now. Just Brilliant. Like, just Alex, just don't really say a word. Smart. Let Rob go away and watch all John C. Riley's movies. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Enjoy the River something, Wild, something buddy. Worth, something worth doing anyway. Yeah, it probably is, actually. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to join us next time for Far and Away. And until next time, goodbye, Rob Marland. See ya. Goodbye, Alex Balerdi. Woo! And goodbye, world. Don't forget, you can jack reachers at The Arnithology on Twitter, The Arnithology on Facebook, and The Arnithology at gmail.com. Yeah.